Hey, sir. Hey, what's going on? And we are live right now. This is the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. And tonight, I actually have somebody that is extremely well-versed in politics. That is Greg Bolden from the America Out Loud network, where he hosts the podcast America and Bolden. And also, what does he do on this podcast? He focuses on understanding individual sovereignty and critical thinking. And he also has an entertainment industry background working with things like the Dorian Gray musical. And I didn't know you did all this stuff. So my home, The Last Called Podcast with Chris Michaels. It is so good to be here. I'm so glad. Uh, Just ecstatic about it can't wait (laughs) (laughs) so this is election night right i know it's election night it's uh it's it's like christmas eve for nerds yeah right you got (laughs) nothing else to do but watch all these dumb numbers come in i think you and i both did uh, a little bit of a podcast on election night eve now i didn't know but we basically have on my podcast, a veritable T.S. Eliot. I would almost say James Joyce, but I think Bolden is Scottish, if I'm not mistaken. Scottish and Irish, actually. Oh, um, both. Yeah. Okay, so yep. we're not going to insult you by saying you're almost like James Joyce. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Uh, what, what got the creative juices flowing on uh, that poem? <laughs> so, uh, you know... I think what it was, you know, I was thinking about like a title for my episode and to me it was just like the night before Christmas and I was like, all right, Christmas Eve. So uh, I started thinking about where the country was. Uh, This election is so polarized because everybody thinks that by electing a certain individual, all their problems are going to be solved and it's such bullshit. Because no problems are going to be solved with any of this. Um, And I just wanted to call out the hypocrisy on all sides, which kind of led me down this rabbit hole of giving it to every single big name that we've heard about in a way that I thought was witty, like my uh, Herschel Walker line. Um, You know, I I had a line in there. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Do you want to recite it or? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I can. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So, so, uh, I put in there, uh, Herschel Walker decided the call of his babies, even the ones that were aborted in the 80s. Now, come on. Oh, God. I can't tell if you're working blue or not. I can't tell if that's a racial joke or you're just calling out his background here. I just called out (laughs) his background. Don't paint me that way. Come on, Chris. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I wrote a salty limerick, too. You got me inspired. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, okay, so let me go. Now, the, the way I describe it, you know, it's it's kind of singer-songwriter stuff. You know, it comes from the soul a little bit. You know, so, it into your Dylan-esque. Yeah, yeah, so, so don't judge me. You know, it's my first time around, but, but we'll see how this works. Uh, there once was a creep from Delaware, now president, though unaware. His son liked crack, his daughter's cheeks flapped in diaries that laid it all bare. Now, I hope you can see where I'm coming from on this. Um, it's a little subtle. I try to leave who I'm really talking about, uh, you know, a bit mysterious. So subtle. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it, it's not a line like uh, he had contract contracts in Ukraine and more with China when one side argues what's life in a vagina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who wrote that, Chris. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, what's great about that is I had somebody write to me and they're like, what do you mean this vagina line? And I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, I, I, thought it, I thought it was really spelled out. It's Roe v. Wade. Like, what's life in a vagina? How, how much more specific do I need to be? I know. I know. Did you get a lot of flack for this poem? So I did. I've actually been losing Twitter followers. You're kidding. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's this fine line because I'm on this America First Network, America Out Loud. And... There are a ton of MAGA supporters that are like MAGA for life. And while I personally believe our country was in a much better place with Trump as president, I don't identify myself as a MAGA Republican. I'm a libertarian at heart. Um, And so I'm able to look at things from the perspective of Trump is a businessman. Anyone who thinks that Trump doesn't have his best interest at heart after spending 40 freaking years with his best interest at heart. Um, I just think you're being foolish about those things. And so when I give it to both sides uh, critically each and every single day, uh, the people that are like, oh, I know exactly who Greg Bolden is. I know what America and Bolden's about. Then all of a sudden they're like, well, wait a minute. He just pulled the wool out from underneath us. We're flying (laughs) down on the hardwood floor and this hurts. And uh, I try to tell people like, I am not here to make friends. I'm not here for Twitter followers. I'm here to call things how I see it. And sometimes that's going to piss people off. And I'm okay with that. Um, you know, truth hurts. Exactly. Exactly. I did. I, well, you, you know, my background a little bit. I've been doing this for a long time. And, and the terrestrial radio station that I'm on, they are 90% liberal. I would even say 97% liberal. And it doesn't matter if I go against Republicans or Democrats. I mean, they, they still don't like me. They tolerate me if I say something bad about Republicans. But the thing is, I'm kind of like you. Like, I, it doesn't matter what side you're on. If you're a degenerate, I'm going to go after you. Like last night, I found an article from 2014 that talked about how Mitch McConnell's wife's family, uh, who, you know, they own a, a shipping company. Uh, out of China was caught with millions of dollars of coke and drugs <laughs> you know so people say oh you're a, you're a MAGA Trump person well not really I mean it's just what side is screwing over less people in less ways and that's the side I'll support right I mean at the end of the day I'm pro USA I'm pro constitution I'm pro looking after my neighbors and making sure everybody has equal rights and doesn't get screwed by bureaucrats in Washington DC or the bureaucrats in your hometown. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all I care about. Yeah, you just want to be able to raise a family and not be bothered by anybody. So you've got, you know, you've spent a long time doing all this stuff. What was that one moment that you said, enough is enough? I'm <laughs> going to start broadcasting and I'm going to start bothering people. Yeah, so uh, this is a a pretty well-known story for people that know me, but I don't think I've really put this out on my podcast ever before. So you're getting exclusive here. Wow, okay. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I'm part of a partnership with NPR at my radio station. And when the Hunter Biden stuff came out, I actually gave it to one of our reporters and I said, hey, look, I have a copy of this laptop. 
Uh, I don't have a platform to put this out there. Um, can you research it? Can you get into it? And they took some of the information and they came back to me and they said, I spoke with my boss and they said, this isn't a newsworthy story that they think it's basically a bunch of smut, uh, <laughs> that it wasn't worthwhile and it was fake. And oh, I, was like, sure. I was like, I can tell you 100%, this is not fake. I, I can tell you it's it's 100% verified. I have sources that back it up. And at the time I was trying to be protective of where my sources were at the same time for my own self-protection. And uh, after that got written off, it really changed my perspective on my, my relationship with National Public Radio. Um, I still have that partnership, so I got to probably be careful what I say at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to but, say, but, <laughs> you but might want to gnome to plume. <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time I'm, I, I don't feel that I need to hide this in any way, shape, or form if this gets tossed around, because the truth of the matter is they chose not to air a story. They caved to whatever the government was trying to tell people back then about it being Russian disinformation. And that was one of those catalysts where I was going, you know what? I think my voice needs to be heard. I, I think that I have these connections. I can get certain people to speak. A lot of people are confiding in me information, wanting me to get it leaked out. Like I knew about the shutdowns happening throughout the country before most people knew about it because I had people that work in Homeland Security and people that worked at local government and emergency management that were telling me what was about to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I actually have a platform. If somebody wants to share something, they want to stay completely silent. Uh, I will not out any of my sources. And so like when I found out we were putting military in Alaska a couple months ago, I put that out on my show and I was like, look, I'm like, I'm not able to tell you any more details other than, the missiles are already up in Alaska and we're putting the troops there and we're testing things and we're getting ready for World War III. Now, that's a pretty dangerous thing for me to put out. And, you know, uh, at the same time, I know that the people that gave me that info, they're 100% trustworthy. Right. Um, so, you know, it's a great opportunity because we're not going to hear this stuff on mainstream media. It's the reason why you and I can do what we do. And if people listen, they listen. If they think you and I are completely crackpots, that's okay. I recognize a crackpot when I see one, and I was not on Hunter Biden's laptop. So I'm okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't putting a lip lock on you somewhere. No, but, you know, I have a funny story. I almost dated Ashley Biden. Oh, That's a true story. Really? Um, yeah, when I was the, uh, a senior in high school, I sang at Archmere Academy. Uh -huh. And my mother introduced me to Joe Biden and he introduced me to his daughter and goes, you guys should go on a date sometime. And yeah. she, she looked mortified. She looked ab absolutely mortified. I was kind of embarrassed too. Obviously the date never happened. Uh, but here's a funny story. So I end up doing this interview with John Paul Mac Isaac that has a laptop. And then the very next day I talked to the gun store uh, employee who could verify the story about Hunter Biden losing multiple weapons and the FBI and secret service showing up with the Delaware state police at the gun shop after another straw purchase. Right. Um, and so I air that and a good friend of mine's best friends with the Bidens, she, like she had Instagram stuff up with her at the white house. She deleted me so quick after those <laughs> stories. went up, And it's a shame because we were friends since high school. And I'm like, really like, me just simply, you know, telling truth and you being embarrassed that your friend has told the story that's true about your friends. Like, come on. Oh, they're gangsters and mobsters. I mean, it's it's organized crime. 
It is. I mean, Joe Biden even said when he was down in Florida, he said off mic that got picked up. He's like, nobody F's with a Biden. Yeah. That kind of scares the crap out of me doing the stories that I do. <laughs> uh, right, right. So did, did you see that story? Uh, I think it came out yesterday that they were involved with some sort of like gambling network. No, I missed that one. Yeah, they, there was. I wish I had it. Uh, but there was a story that, that came out yesterday that the that Joseph Biden directly was involved with some type of gambling network. Uh, I think in the in the Philippines, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they intend to try and impeach this guy six ways to Sunday once, you know, January hits and these midterms are over with. Um, but but you said something that was interesting. Now, you interviewed John Paul Mac Isaac, and that's the laptop IT cleaner upper that got his hands on the Biden laptop. How did you, in fact, get that interview? What would you do, just stroll in there or no. was he... And was he more than open about giving no, this interview? Or no, what? not at all. It actually it was, it's it's pretty complex. But to simplify it, uh, a guy that went to my high school but was a couple of years ahead of me, I started doing some internet sleuthing. And I discovered that he was friends with my brother, and that he was friends with John Paul Mac Isaac. And I was like, you know what? Let me just reach out to this guy and be like, hey do you really know him or is this like you just added him? And I started doing this with a bunch of people, but that was my lucky connection. And this gentleman goes, yeah, he's actually a good friend of mine. Um, I'll give you his personal email address. Um, at this point, his store was already closed down. His, his life was pretty much ruined by the Bidens and by Google. Uh, so when I contacted him, I had to basically have people vouch for me that I wasn't, you know, a government agent that I was a stand-up citizen, that people trusted me in media as well as in life. Uh, so he kind of vetted me just as much as I was trying to vet getting in contact with him. Right. Now, the best part is I interview him. Uh, we do all this, and it comes out. And some of my best friends ever since I was like 13 years old, they go, hey, you know that house we bought uh, up by you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, he's our next-door neighbor. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? So I was just a couple of weekends ago, I was over at my buddy's house standing at John Paul Mac Isaac's front door. And I texted uh, JP and I was like, hey, I'd love to see you in person and meet you finally. And he was uh, across the country in Kentucky doing military. Uh, he was an ex-military guy and he was meeting up with some of his friends from there. But we're supposed to get together pretty soon here. So that would be really cool. I mean, uh -huh. it's just kind of a, a, a weird connection. And uh yeah, so literally, my, my my friends live directly next door to him, and what's great is everybody that lives in that neighborhood that knows him loves him. That's <laughs> what a great guy he is, and I mean that's that's an awesome thing too to hear. Yeah, absolutely, it gives a now, little more credence. Now, to, to tell you how like crazy things got for me after that interview, uh, I had family ask me if I had any black SUVs coming up to the house or if I noticed anybody following me, and John Paul had actually warned me that he's constantly under surveillance. Oh. And um, so I got a little bit spooked uh, for a little while there after doing that interview, because I didn't know kind of like what shit that I really step in by going down this route, because no one had really done something without the filter of just interviewing him, let him tell his story without an agenda, which is kind of the approach I took. So I was worried about what did I unearth? What did I uncover? Who did I upset? Uh, so it was actually a pretty tense uh, week for me after that thing aired of just me being a little bit more paranoid than usual. Yeah. Right. I can totally see that. Now, did he say anything that would completely blow your mind? 
about I mean, that laptop? Was there anything that was out of the ordinary beyond what we what we've heard already? Uh, so, I mean, the biggest things that, that came out of it that that I don't think the media really uh, they they overlook is number one. Uh, once it got into Rudy Giuliani's team, their hands, uh, it got politicized by this guy uh, Maxi. Now, Maxi was working in the administration, and he seems to have continued to hunt for more information. But the truth of the matter is there's only 219 gigabytes of original data. Now, Maxi, Jack Maxi claims that he has 450 gigabytes now. Yeah. JP's like, look, he goes, I can tell you right now, I have still to this day locked up in a very safe environment the 219 gigabytes that actually exist out there, I can verify every single piece of information if anyone wants to do a forensic check of what was there. Now, the problem with this whole story that he told me was that Hunter Biden, and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but he owned like 13 different Mac devices and had lost seven of them. (laughs) One of them he left at his shrink's place and that's, this has all been verified by the FBI and things, according to JP. Um, but, and eventually his iCloud gets hacked and the idiot never changed his email for his iCloud. So now there's apparently like 450 gigabytes of data that has been collected since 2019 when that got handed in. Yeah. And so people have the ability to get all this stuff from the cloud, which there's child pornography allegedly on this. I'm going to use the word allegedly, but yeah, uh, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a allegedly child pornography on this thing. Um, I was asked uh, if I wanted to see some of these files by several people, and I said no because to me, I'm a I'm a public school teacher, and I was like, I can't be anywhere near this content. I'm just going to trust that what I'm being told is <laughs> yeah. is what it is. I thought you'd say something like, I'm, I, I'm around kids all day. I can't stand them. I can't look at them anymore <laughs> in any position. I worry about my job with that, that story. Oh, no, I know. Absolutely. I know. So, so that's pretty interesting because I remember on um, Telegram, probably, I don't know how long ago it was. had to be at least four months ago. There was this new account that was created, and it started to drop all of this Hunter Biden data, phone calls, videos, unedited sex videos, mm-hmm. um, everything. And that account got deleted within a day. But whoever controlled that account had access to a lot of things. And I'm not sure if it was from the cloud or from that laptop. So I can tell you that is from the laptop and that got sent to the reporter from NPR that I was talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the stuff that they thought was just smut and made up. And they felt like it was a deep fake. There's no way to <laughs> deep fake all that stuff. Like, deep come fake. on, come on. <laughs> um, and again, I'm unaware of like everything I've been told what was on it yeah. by my sources. And I was told not to touch it. So yeah. I didn't. Um, but, you know, there's questionable uh, material of multiple young girls with him on sex acts, according to my sources. Uh, there is questionable conversations with family members that are underage, according to sources. Was that Haley? Yes. No, no. Ha- was it Haley or, or was I that be- the mom? 
No, I, it was a do- uh, granddaughter of Joe Biden. Yeah, right. So that's Haley then, right? And I, you know, I'll let you say. I, I it makes me so uncomfortable when no, 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 I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not it overt, but it is extremely suggestive. The it parts is. that I've read, yep. and it's like, oh man. And then there, then there was a photo that I saw. It, it wasn't lewd, but it was her sleeping next to him, and he's passed out, and she's clearly not of age, and it, and. It's just, it's very, very sad that this kind of behavior happens. The mainstreams don't pick up on it because they're completely in bed with these people. And it also says something else. It says that there is a clear line emotionally, spiritually, and socially between people uh, amongst the Biden circles and the political elite circles and, you know, the financial, the legal elite circles, and then the rest of us ham and eggers mm-hmm. that sit there and, you know, drive a car or try to after the midterms, who knows how much gas is going to be. And so now you're looking at two parallel cultures and this kind of behavior that we see or that's hinted at on this laptop is what we would consider completely degenerative, like in incest, pedophilia. Like my question, I guess, is how do you see this potentially going after the midterms, assuming that the Republicans at least gain the House? Do you think that this kind of laptop is going to actually gain traction for once? No. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That, that was my answer, too. No, I, I don't think it will. No, I really don't. Nothing's going to happen. Here's here's what I believe was going on uh, over the past couple months. I think number one, they know that Joe Biden's health is failing. They know they can only get him through for so long uh, on the dementia train, and this is their way to pressure him to make sure he does not run whatsoever after 2024. They don't want a re-election bid, and so this laptop is the carrot that they're dangling from the family to make sure that he stays out of future politics. That's what I believe is, is happening here. Um, I mean, this is kind of like, if you look at like just a few months ago, everybody's like, you know, Donald Trump's about to be indicted. Well, did Donald Trump get indicted? No. And uh, Hunter Biden charges are incoming. Has anything happened with the charges? No. But it's the best way to be able to manipulate a situation in the country and manipulate um, what the what the conversations are that are happening. Uh, I believe that Donald Trump's going to announce next week that he's running for president, not because he wants to become president, but because it gives him immunity from the charges that he's facing. And it gives him more breathing room in order to make these things go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think I. so you said two things that that triggered me here. Um, the first oh my thing I God, was, I triggered Chris you, you did trigger me. Yeah, I'm all fluttered. So Kamala Harris's husband, just before we got on this podcast, said that um, I wish I had the first off, I wish I had the quote in front of me. But he said something along the lines of America should be um, capable of understanding that Kamala could be the next president if he doesn't run in 24. So what kind of drop is that, first off? Right. Uh, and second off, I, I, think, I, I think you're 100% right with Trump. And 
I heard from all sorts of people that he was going to announce his bid for presidency last night. Right. And if you watch his speech, right, towards the end when the music comes on, he's doing the speech as if he's about to announce his run. And as the music is going, and then all of a sudden he pauses. And I'm like, okay, he's going to say it right now. He goes, but not to detract from tomorrow's Elections. election, I'm going to announce something on November 15th. Correct. So right there, in my opinion, he should have announced it. And he should have said, if I were, you know, I'm running for president, and the only way we're going to make this happen is if we get out and vote tomorrow and vote for, you know, all these candidates. Thank God he didn't, and I'm going to explain why. So I well, before think you do, before okay, you do, I think I think there's a little backstab in there because Mike Pence's book is supposed to come out the 16th. <laughs> so <laughs> I no, I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no one's going to talk about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you know, I, I think that had he said last night because I was watching it, and uh, had he come out and said, you know, I'm running. Here we go, everybody. Let's. Let's rally the battle cry. Everybody, you got to vote. We got to make this happen. The problem is he would have energized the entire Democratic base and Democrats would have come out in record numbers today. And I believe that the reason why we're not going to see the Democrats take the Senate and the, uh, the House is solely because there was voter apathy by the Democrats in this election and the Republicans are going to come out in big numbers. And had Donald Trump done that, he would have energized the Democrats to show up in larger numbers. Yeah, and so it's a really good thing that he did not do that. That's just my theory. Um, I think whoever was telling him, look, you can tease it. You can go to that line, but don't go so far. That was a wise decision. Very wise Really? Decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I could see that. I guess I'm being just a dramaticist. You know, I like the drama that he brings. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, you know what? I, I do too. I mean, I get, I get called all the time by people who are like, oh, you're a Trumper. I'm like, no, I'm not a Trumper, except I think that there's an energy that he brings that's that's actually good for our country in a way that it calls out the hypocrisy of the left in a way that's really important that most people can't do without the fear of getting canceled. That stated, I'm not on Trump's side on all things, but uh, he's the first person that I'm like, hey, you know what, what wars did we get into? Where were we indiscriminately bombing people with drones like we were under Obama um, and, and Bush before him? We, we weren't in war with Trump. We were in a financially sound place up until the pandemic, which, quite honestly, uh, was, I believe, turned into a political weapon in order to get the WEF's agenda into place uh, to get Trump out of office and uh, to kind of turn things around throughout the entire world. And it's playing out right now. I mean, I'm paying attention to tonight's elections because there are Republicans as well as Democrats that they have given their, uh, they've given their allegiance to the WF. And I think we need to be aware of it. Yeah, I think I, I completely, completely. And I, I bring this up on my podcast when I'm not, when I'm ranting that it, it no longer matters. It, it does not matter if you're voting Democrat or Republican anymore, because behind all of these people, is this transnational group of economists, legal specialists, whatever you want to call them, that are influencing all of this. 
I mean, it doesn't matter what country you belong to anymore. These people are shifting the narrative in the political specter, spectrum all over the place. So you've got to look at what these associations are all about and what they do. And I, <clears throat> I personally think that people, or there should be a, a law passed or something, that makes these elected officials pronounce what fraternal organizations they belong to. I want to see who's a Freemason. I want to see who's a Rosicrucian. I want to see who belongs to the OTO, if you're in California. I, I want to see all of that, because then I know where you're coming from, really where you're coming from. I agree. I mean, that's transparency. I mean, I think you and I are on the same page with wanting the most transparency in our government and our elected officials so we know what their special interests are. I got to go back to the WEF, though. Uh, if individuals go to the Young Global Leaders, which is part of the WEF, they sure. have actually broken down into categories, what they call sectors, of what they see as important to infiltrate. And so the sectors are the academia, the think tank people, then they have an arts, culture, and sports, which means some of your, your sports figures that you're rooting for on your favorite sports teams are being vetted right now by the WEF. Imagine that, those, <laughs> those Instagram uh, posts. Uh, businesses, which we all know, civil society, which is a very interesting category to go with because now it's kind of like the operative that you don't know in civil service. Uh, media is right there on their site. And then they have two more categories, public figure, which is the influencers. And think about how during the pandemic, the White House and all these other groups called in social media influencers right. and said, you know, we need you to get this message across. Well, it's right there in the WEF. That's who they go after. And then the final part is social entrepreneurs. Chris, when I say the word social entrepreneur, what are you thinking? Social entrepreneur. Uh, only fans. Only fans. All right. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking people that are masters at manipulating you into a business. And that's your advertisers. The social entrepreneurs are the people that understand how society thinks and you become the consumer to that individual. You become the product. Interesting. And now, do you think that that involves social media? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at what they're involved in, it's, it's heavily based in the social media. And it's the reason why I have a lot of questions about some of the individuals that just pop up about what their role is. Are they secretly agents for something else? And I'm not trying to get all like too crazy, but no, people, you're on the right path. Yeah. People, people should be aware that there are individuals that you probably really like to have millions of followers that are controlled opposition. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I'll, I'll give you a good example. Um, uh, do you know, you remember General Flynn, right? General Mike Flynn? Yeah, actually, didn't you recently ask me what I thought of him? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you do any kind of digging, you find out that he has tentacles everywhere. His brother, his wife, they're really, really bizarre business dealings. Like there are a lot of different NGOs, you know, non-governmental organizations out of like this one address um and then you, you can even go further if if you look have you ever heard of um what's his name del big tree oh yeah del, uh, Ch children's health defense right so del big tree and nurse erin and uh this one other woman 
they're all kind of connected. And supposedly, if you do digging, they're all connected, being managed, essentially, by this weird, bizarre Scientologist. And they are all doing the same thing. Like, Nurse Erin was a model for a long time and and a a burgeoning actress. Another one of these people uh, is is a literal, like, she's, obviously, she's a woman. But, you know, she's done up, right? She didn't just roll out of bed. She has hair done, eyelashes done, you know, the whole nine. And she's a felon, but she's going across state lines all over the place. Well, how's she doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, you have this intricate network of individuals that are acting on a stage. All of this stuff that we're seeing is just a, it's just a show. It really is a show. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you. So I, I get sent some, uh, some videos by someone called Tori Says. And I haven't really gotten into Tori. She is kind of tied into QAnon stuff. But her big thing is that everything is a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you familiar with her by any, by any means? No. Okay. No. I, I think that you might find yourself kind of interested in a lot of what she talks about. She actually just had a, a documentary she put out today uh, that was sent to me. And it's all, you know, this is all a show and you're a part of it and you've been participating and she talks about Harvey Weinstein in there, Jeffrey Epstein, and how they're kind of two birds of the same feather. I think it would go into a lot of the conversation and what you're alluding to right now if, if you go down that path. Probably. probably. Did you see that New York Post article about Harvey Weinstein's penis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't stop looking at it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the article that is. Yeah, right. <laughs> the woman Ugh. described it as he does not have a sack and his testicles are sewn into his thighs and the shaft looks as though it was taken off and then sewn back on what on earth <laughs> and and here's the funny part harvey weinstein's team wanted this testimony to validate whether or not these people were telling the truth about how Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted them. (laughs) So his team wanted this testimony. (laughs) It's like all of a sudden OJ Simpson. It's not mine. See, I told you. Mine has not been chopped off. I am perfectly good here. A clown show. A clown show. Oh man, we're almost 35 minutes in. Okay. Oh my God. So, so let me ask you another question. I want to. Uh, oh, before we go on, I did yes. find the story. It's on Daily Mail. Okay. And uh, it is Joe was Joe Biden was centered on the returns in the family coffers. Whistleblower claims Hunter and VP Biden were part of a group call to discuss online gambling ventures in Latin America. The president talking like he was chairman of the board. <laughs> And that, I think, came out yesterday. All right. I, I was looking for that. I think you might have had some audio of me pulling up a story that I, I was trying to find the gambling venture. But I, I found it. I will read this. Um, I don't want to comment on it until I, no, no, I know no. more about it. That's um, okay. But it sounds like it goes all the way back to 2012, correct? I, I would think so. Yeah. Well, well I, I've been working on a story, and I can't get it to go anywhere. I, I think I might have shared it with you in a conversation that we had offline. Um, but if you Google largest auto dealer in the Ukraine, 
it's Winter Automotive. And Winter Automotive is based right in my hometown here in Wilmington, Delaware. And in 1973, it was founded. Ironically, in 1973, Joe Biden goes to work at the Senate. And uh, there are individuals that have spoken to me and are willing to go on the record. The problem is I can't get the final connection here. Uh, but I've had people that have uh, been pretty prominent individuals tell me that Joe Biden in 1990 started brokering a deal in the Ukraine with his connections there and winner and set them up there. And that's how Ford got into the Ukraine. They are now not just the largest auto dealer. They sell all different types of auto uh, brands. Uh, they also are the largest commercial real estate company, winner is, in all of Ukraine, which means they are able to allegedly launder money back. And you have to ask yourself if that's what Winner is doing. You can find this right on Winner Automotive's website too. Uh, sure, yeah. It's all uh, public. It's all public. And that's, that's how they always do this. They keep it in the public. That way you don't realize what's really happening. Yeah. But, but if you think that Joe Biden didn't make that deal and there's not still money coming back to his family, well, I got something I can sell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so this is the story that's been told to me. My problem is getting somebody from Winter to talk to me so I can collaborate that side of the story. And I've called down there. Um, I had no luck. And that's the problem with, you know, when you're trying to investigate these type of things, people don't have to cooperate. And I think that they know if I start digging, I'm sure they know I'm digging. Um, I'm sure there are people who are like, do not talk to this yeah, guy. Yeah, of course. And I get that. So it's kind of gone nowhere. But at this point, I kind of know what it is. Yeah. And, you know, this, this whole gambling story that you're, I'm looking at right now, it sounds just like what I'm hearing from the Ukraine, that, you know, they are a crime family. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and the head of the crime family is a dotard. Oh, and you I, know, you know and what, I would Chris? like to thank Kim Jong-un for letting me know about what that word is all about. <laughs> I got to tell you, you asked me if um, John Paul had shared anything with, and now that we're talking about the Ukraine, he did share one thing. Yeah, this is the, the shocking moment. John Paul was saying, when we send a billion dollars over to the Ukraine, pay attention to where that billion dollars goes. Now, he was using the names. I don't know everybody's name, mm -hmm. but apparently the former president is now in charge of the military. The former president's friends with the Bidens, which is what you got that famous line when Biden's over there. And I said this and I said that. Yeah. And then Zelensky was installed by that former president. Now, the former president is now in charge of the military. So when we sent the $1 billion, we sent it to the Biden's friends with no accountability of where that money is going to go. Of course. <laughs> How else would you wander? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we're going to round this out and we're going we're gonna to finish up in the next couple of minutes. So you said something interesting about Alaska. Now, what do you think the main purpose of Space Force is? Because, and, and there's a reason behind this, because if okay. you look at other countries' Space Force emblems, they look about the same. Mm -hmm. They always have this stark, thin, triangle, Star Trek-style emblem on it. China, Russia, the U.S., they all have that. What it, now you may or may not know because you've got different sources. What do you think the real gist behind Space Force is all about? 
So, one, Space Force is probably the most brilliant thing that Donald Trump did that he got complete shit for. Um, Space Force is necessary because there is so much more going on up in outer space than the average citizen would care to acknowledge, nor do they know to look for it. It's just like the International Space Station is not the only space station up in outer space. There are privatized space stations. We can look at Genesis and Genesis 2 mm-hmm. um, from Walker Ranch uh, that went up. Um, but what Space Force to me is really about is we have a weapon system already up in outer space. Uh, if you've ever heard of the Rod of God, I'm not sure if you've sure. heard of that before. Yeah. But we have the ability to basically give a nuclear explosion without the nuclear fallout by sending these 20-foot-long steel rods dropped from satellites on strategic locations. Um, and so there is a devastating war. Now, I personally also believe that Space Force is a lot about one of my pet things that I'm into, and that's about the magnetic pole shift. Mm. Um And I I think that we know that we better pay attention to uh, the Earth's magnetic field right now uh, because the war is one against what's out there, not necessarily the people that are here. Um, And you can read into that statement. Maybe we can do some more follow-up on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tease tease that a little bit. Um, But it's, it's what's out there less than what's here. And we know that we've got to get out there because right now we're not able to escape the moon. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Yes, yes. And it's funny you should bring all that up because I'm reading uh, some of the Gnostic Bibles. I just got this. So you're talking about the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Philip, um, you know, all of these, all of these Gospels that King James took a black highlighter to. And (laughs) These things are profound. Like I, I have a bit of an esoteric background. I understand where some of this is coming from. I understand how this is working. And I'm reading some of this stuff and you're going, what you know in the Bible is completely wrong. Maybe it's not wrong, but it does not tell the full story at all once you read these. So definitely we can get into that. Um, and, and, you're 100% right about this pole shift coming up because have you ever heard of Michael Tellinger? I think yes. I brought him up. Yeah, you brought him up. So Michael Tellinger, I've met him a few times. Um, he lives in South Africa. He's part of an Ubuntu movement. Uh, and basically what he tries to do is create autonomous towns that can trade goods between one another. So he, he doesn't want a barter system, you know, me and you trade something. He wants a, a, a civilization-style barter system so that nobody can really get uh, a leg up on another town or another country through any kind of nefarious dealings, such as currency swaps or anything like that. So, you know, if one town produces oil, another town produces tires, we trade it and there we go. Everybody's happy. Um, and he also believes in sustainability, but he brought up something that's very interesting and I have yet to try it out. He had an old compass and he had a new compass, old compass being something from the sixties or seventies. And he had a new compass, which he bought recently. The <laughs> old compass shows the, uh, the North heading actually pointing south and the new compass shows the north heading 
as north. So what you're looking at is you're looking at the new compasses being purposefully, I guess, rewritten or reproduced so that the, what should be the north is showing north on the new ones. But in reality, that north pointing part of the compass, I forgot the name of it, is actually pointing south. So to, uh, to sum it all up very clumsily, it appears as though the pole shift had, has already occurred and north is, in fact, south if you use an old compass. I haven't tested it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't heard that. I haven't tested. That goes against the data that I study each day. Um, the Earth's magnetic field is certainly weakening. It was weakening uh, over about a 20-year period at about 5% back in 1980 until 2000. Since 2000, it's weakening 5% every five years. Um, and the thing is we're rapidly moving right now to the physical north and south locations moving by hundreds of miles per year. Um, and when you think of pole shift, it's not necessarily north becomes south, south becomes north. Right. It could actually be like the Indian Ocean could be the new South Pole. Right. Um, and so it gets a little bit more nuanced. So I'd be curious to what's going on with the compass there. Uh, so Me I'll, too. I'll look into that. But that, that kind of goes against the scientific. Yeah. When I, I see things it. like that and it's that drastic, immediately I'm suspicious. Right. You know, you're, you're going to tell me the North Pole is now the South Pole and nobody noticed. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't drive with me. OK, so we're going to get into another episode with all of that stuff, because the esoteric stuff is very, very interesting, especially if we go down that road. But I want your predictions for the midterm elections. So the two predictions that I'd like to know on uh, anything about Carrie Lake in Arizona. And Governor Horseface Hochul in New York versus Lee Zeldin. What do you think is going to happen? All right. So one, Carrie Lake wins. Uh, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. That, so she, she's the governor in Arizona. Have you um, seen the stories about 20% of yes. the voting? 25%. But here's, the, here's the problem. It was so well documented this time. Mm -hmm. They can't steal that. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. That cannot get stolen that way. Um, I think Carrie Lake outclassed um, in every single way her opponent because she was willing to go in front of the cameras. But here's the problem. Carrie Lake, and I, I did a whole episode on this. Uh, she's a liberal. Yes. And uh, people yes. are going to wake up and all of a sudden go, wait a minute, what uh -huh. just happened? But that's uh -huh. okay. That's okay. I mean, hey, people have the ability to to research this stuff and the fact that the, the MAGA crowd uh, put themselves behind her, uh, I think they're going to get buyer's remorse. Now, I think so. As far as New York, I completely believe that Lee Zeldin is going to get his butt completely kicked up and down New York. Mm -hmm. um, I think Hockle is going to be the governor again, and that is a major loss for the state of New York. I think so too. I, I mean, she's talking about, putting uh, vaccine mandates for children yep. if they go to public school. Um, yeah, she's, she's got all she's of these. She, she, and and the, my problem with her is that she's unelected. She got into that position and did horrible things to this state. I'm in New York, obviously. Right. Um, and she's completely unapologetic about it. She has zero empathy for the pain that she inflicted on all of these families 
And she in her uh, what was it her debate or her interview on MSNBC, I think it, she says, yeah, I, I would do it all again. Yep, no remorse. I, I would do mandates. I would fire people. I, I, I would force children to get vaccinated. I mean, this person has zero soul. I mean, she is truly lost. Well, it's the whole amnesty thing, right? Um, these people, oh god, <laughs> we, we we can't forget where these people stood on any of these issues, even if they get reelected. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to be a complete referendum on COVID and the response. It's more of a referendum on the stupidity of individuals that elect people that are not out for their best interest, that are ideologues. And uh, Hockle is an ideologue. Uh, that's kind of just where that stands. Now, um, I'm, I'm also an interesting governor races in Michigan. Um, yes. Whitmer has been the incumbent, but I think Dixon's going to pull it out. You think so? I do. I don't I know why. So. I, I just have, I have a, a gut feeling that Dixon might. It's going to be a very close race, um, but I, I think that's one to kind of keep your eyes on as we go. And then Pennsylvania, uh, Fetterman, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that he loses, honestly, because I want somebody that actually can rub two brain cells together. Man, oh man. But, <laughs> but I, 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 think, I think Fetterman's going to win. Um, I think that's, that's a race that is not the race that people think it is. I don't think Oz really has a shot. And then I think Vance and Ryan, that race is going to come right down to the wire in Ohio. I don't think I'm not as confident as uh, Donald Trump is that Vance is going to win that race outright. Uh Uh, So yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of like the the main ones And Herschel Walker, I think will win in Georgia. It looks Um, like he is some of the coming in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that, that's kind of a, no brainer down there. All right. If you're wrong on any of these, uh, we want to see a picture of you in a wife beater saying I was wrong. And you have okay. to post that everywhere. <laughs> I, I'll do it. I, I got no shame in my game. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been the last call podcast with Chris Michaels. And I've been speaking with Greg Bolden. He is part of the America out loud network and he hosts America emboldened with greg bolden greg where can they find you if anybody wants to listen sure sure uh, they can find me on any podcast network i'm on every single one of them americaoutloud.com or then go straight to my website americaemboldened.com or my social at real greg bolden uh right on twitter find okay me uh, the, perfect perfect so we're gonna listen to you and i'm gonna leave you with another limerick because you inspired me <laughs> with your po- poetry all right okay all right it's it's another it, it's veiled and, you know, you can kind of piece it together if you're smart enough, you know. OK, so here it goes. There was once a chick from San Fran who drank so much she can't stand. Her husband got hammered with the police. He stammered when he got caught with Dick in hand. So it's subtle. It's veiled. People may not be able to put all of that together. And that's how I like it. I don't want to necessarily call out somebody directly, but I want to know, I'm, I want them to know I'm paying attention to them. I see you over there. Oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Greg, I appreciate it. Until next time. Take care. All right. See you. Bye.